everyone, and welcome to the Omega Metroid podcast from OmegaMetroid.com. My name is Andy Spateri, joined by Dakota Lasky, Doomnal Crossing. Dak, how are you, my friend? I am doing uh, splendid, actually. I just uh, killed the second half of an Italian combo from Wawa, so Sick. that was pretty good. Um, from just got what? back from Cl- what, what is that? Wawa. It's what is like that? uh it's like a better 7-Eleven, like Wawa Quick Check. It's like a gas station, but also you can get food there and snacks. Okay. And, you know, you can order sandwiches and there's like a, not deli, but like a sandwich area and like food area. Anyway, if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Wawa's dope. Um, <clears throat> anyway, yeah, I'm doing good. Um, I plan to get around to the first episode of uh, House of Dragons soon, mm. um, which is going to be hype. Um... I was just in Detroit this past week. I mean, I say this past week, but by the time this episode actually comes out, it'll be a little while since then. Yes. But that also means uh, I'm excited because the new Destiny season starts tomorrow, which by the time this episode drops, it'll already have been out as as well, the new raid. So I'm actually doing some season prep tonight after this episode, getting some bounties done. So that way when the next season starts, I can just bam, 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 get a ton of experience in and okay. start grinding. Um, so yeah, I'll be on that Destiny grind tonight. Um, and yeah, I was, uh, preparing for this episode over the weekend and today, so I played a little Metroid Prime as well, which was obviously a lot of fun, because that game is, I've heard, pretty decent. Um, so yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Right. Uh, what about you, Doom? How you doing over there in, uh, California? Yeah, and, uh, yeah, just, uh, moved back into Monterey for my, uh, my final year of uh college we graduate in two more semesters uh you know we're doing our starting up our capstone this year so you know it's uh it's gonna be uh it's gonna be balls to the wall as they say so yeah um it's gonna be a tough semester but nonetheless nonetheless i'm looking forward to it and you know so far it started off really good and uh you know like dak was mentioning earlier uh you know we are recording this in advance so if you're wondering why we're not talking about the obvious direct that's been announced by now that is why I guarantee you. So a pullback behind the curtains here. We are recording this uh, August the 22nd. It's a late night show, actually. Uh, an after dark show where I may or may not be having a beer. And uh, so we're going to release this. So for anybody that doesn't know, I'm going on a trip to um, to Europe here pretty quick for uh, a, a, a delayed honeymoon, actually. Um, which, by the way, shout out to my wife, Sam. It was our anniversary yesterday. So uh, she does yes. she does a lot for uh, for me and my podcast and projects. But anyway, so we're gonna. Be, I'm gonna be in Europe uh, with my wife, and uh, every time I feel like I've ever recorded an episode ahead of time on the Zelda Cast or on Omega, I feel like I'm just like, all right, a Nintendo Direct is absolutely gonna happen. It's gonna be like the first trailer for Metroid Prime Four, Metroid Dread Two, Metroid Pinball's coming back. It's gonna be like the most Metroid news you've ever seen, and it's gonna be we're talking about the friggin' Orpheon, which is awesome. Yeah. I love it. I'm willing to take that. Well, you know, the Omega Metroid podcast is willing to make that sacrifice for you Metroid fans to get new news. We'll look like schmucks talking about stuff that isn't really topical if that's what it takes to get Metroid news out in, into this universe. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's what we're doing today. I'm excited about it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we're going to, you know, we, we went, I think, six months last time between mapping Metroid episodes. And I think now we're going, like, six weeks. So a little bit of... Uh, improvement here but uh i feel like i feel like the mapping metro that we're doing today is really kind of like a companion piece to the one that we previously did which was of course on the talent overworld uh because we we left out a big chunk 
of the Talent Overworld, and we are here to talk about it uh, in depth and in full today. And of course, uh, that is the Frigate Orpheon. And so what we're going to do is we're kind of combining them a little bit. We're going to be completely mapping the entire Frigate, and we're going to be mapping it while it's in space and then while it's crashed as part of the Talon Overworld. So we're going to kind of be interchangeably uh, saying like uh, the, the Orpheon in space. And then the I think what we should maybe do is if we're talking about the crashed Orpheon, just say like crashed Orpheon and we can assign it that name so people know what we're talking about. Does that sound like a good piece of business? Yeah, that sounds good to me. I mean, I'm going to frigate Orpheon and then the crashed frigate. There we go. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Okay, so that is, that is what is on the table today. Um, and I think, gentlemen, that we should just get right into it. Because our last Mapping Metroid on Talon ended up kind of being uh, a marathon episode. As I think most of these Mapping Metroid episodes end up being. Because nobody dives into a Metroid area like the Omega Metroid podcast. So, um, let's just uh, let's get rocking and rolling here. And uh, talk about the... This area, and we kind of touched on it last episode when we were talking about the Talon Overworld, but I, I kind of want to reiterate again. Frigate Orpheon, the, the in-space, flying in the cosmos, this is such an incredible, incredible moment in the Metroid series because this is the first time you've ever seen Samus move in 3D. And it's it's just so breathtaking through those seeing those 3D models and like, I think the graphics still look awesome and just like the the presentation of it, it it's just like such a such an amazing moment and um obviously that's kind of like your tutorial area as well but I I really think that that moment the visuals the way that Samus initially moves like really just like go a long way into into like assuring Metroid fans like this isn't like this is going to be the Metroid that you know but something new but it's, it's going to be something that is going to be awesome. Because there was a lot of consternation about Metroid Prime when it was announced as a first-person shooter. And I think that this area really, I, I, in my opinion, like helped ease some of those fears. So a really incredible opening area. And like you never get a first or you never get a second chance to make a first impression. And this, this area knocked it out of the park for me, and I'm assuming for you guys as well. I I, I mean... I think you. I think most people would agree with that, right? Like the frigate Orpheon, and obviously we're talking about the space version right now, is pretty much like a near perfect tutorial for a game like this, because that's a big job to do, right? Like it has to introduce all these different elements of like how you play a 3D first person shooter, introduce like the basics of like the shooting gameplay and like the core, most of the core items that you're gonna have early in the game. Obviously, like you get the grappling hook, but like that doesn't really come into the game till kind of later when you re get it. But it introduced you to all that. It, it it introduced you to like the atmosphere and the tone of the game, mm-hmm. and then it ramps up into a boss battle and then like kicking the story off. And it gives you a, like an escape sequence, like all of that wrapped together. It's like it gives you all of the important aspects of even backtracking and all the important aspects of a Metroid game condensed into one small tutorial area. So in that way, it's it's a really perfect, you know chunk of the game and how they reuse it later is really beautiful yeah the frigate orpheon is is such a, a i would say like a perfect tutorial for this kind of game it, it really brings you into what you need to know and what you need to know about the the environment you're about to enter and, and even just going down to the 
the loading dock that you know like the the landing dock you get to where samus parks her ship and you get that first fanfare she jumps out you see the huge planet in the background like you enter like you know a very quintessential sci-fi area the music is perfect like all that kind of comes together to give you what you need to know about the game and what you're going to expect so in that way and there's so much i even want to say beyond that but just as first thoughts like yeah uh frigate orphean perfect way to start the game Yeah, Frigate Orpheon rules. You know, I think there's a reason that this was chosen for the Smash stage back in Brawl. You know, yeah. like it's so, it's absolutely iconic. I mean, you know, like you said, Andy, you only get, um, uh, you only get one chance to make a first impression. How, however that saying goes, I can't remember. You did it better than I did. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but uh, yeah, like literally everything about it, it has enough of the familiar and enough of the new one as well because you know you have that new arrangement of the theme of super metroid now the kind of the theme of samus at this point mm-hmm. you know in that lower key in that lower key um you have it modulated as well and then right after that you immediately get into this new kind of soundscape that metroid prime uh kind of introduces you through the airlock where it almost sounds like there's these ghosts whispering throughout um throughout the corridors um with the list with the uh, last bits of oxygen still remaining in that area it's so such a cool way to introduce you and then right when you get into that main hallway where you see um all the pirates laying out and the parasite queen and it immediately starts setting up kind of how metroid prime is going to tell its story Mm -hmm. you know with its environmental storytelling how it gets the player curious and invested into what's going on and it's a you know it's a small snippet of this bigger bigger extrap- eh, bigger extrapolation of what the entire game is going to be about kind of like what Dax said you know what you know what it does too which is really good is it shows a lot of like restraint like you don't go in guns a blazing you go in very calmly very quietly and actually like one of the most important things that it does is like encourage you to start scanning everything in fact you you have to scan some stuff in order to even make it to like the interior of the Orpheon which is obviously a core part of the Metroid Prime series um so yeah it it does show a lot of restraint and a lot of there's a lot of tension and i think that that uh in a lot of ways is like very metroid like very much what you would expect and want to see out of the beginning of a metroid game um and and talking about the orpheon or the crashed frigate later i think it's like incredibly impressive how they essentially repurpose this whole area but have it like completely i mean almost literally flipped on its head as kind of an environmental obstacle course for you to go through as well. Um, so, like, the whole... The, the amount of mileage that they get out of this uh, out of this ship is, is absolutely, you know, incredible, um, I think. And, you know, I, I actually made the mistake when I was playing uh, Metroid Prime the other day, or, well, the other week now at this point, and uh, I was kind of thinking to myself and, and comparing and contrasting between Prime and Super Metroid and how... You know, we've kind of said before in a lot of ways, Metroid Prime is like a 3D Super Metroid, and it's very true. And so this would be, if anything, like the Meridia of the game. And I made this huge mistake. I went into the the, the down frigate thinking that I needed to go there without my gravity suit. I was like, I need to go through here first before I get my gravity suit. And I was kind of grumbling, and I was like, ah, Super Metroid, you don't have to go to Meridia without your gravity suit. But I was a huge fool and went here... Uh, completely unnecessarily, and you also never have to go to this area without your gravity suit either. So it's just—it's very—it's very impressive. It's very well laid out. The pacing of the area is is incredible. Um, it just yeah, it's just like a super strong area that obviously gives you the first you know impression of what 3D Metroid is going to be like, and then I think does a really good job of like again like flipping it on its head and kind of presenting that traditional Metroid like 
we're not going to throw a bunch of like difficult enemies at you, but the environment itself is the most challenging obstacle that you need to overcome. So in a lot of ways, this epitomizes a, a, like a lot of what makes Metroid great. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I know we we started kind of talking off like about or start talking with the the space version of it, and then going into the Crash Frigate because on one hand, it's like it's really hard not to sep or to separate those two things, but at the same time, they're they're very different areas, even though it is the same area. Mm -hmm. And you know, when you first get to the down frigate, it imperfectly encapsulate encapsulates like what Metroid is about, which is exploring the unknown but also traveling back to places that you've been before with a new perspective and new abilities and things have kind of turned on its head the world of metroid is very much a world of cause and effect right things happen in the story samus affects things the world happens around there and it changes very literally the place that she's in and she has to traverse those way, you know, places in new ways and that's exactly what happens here now i'm not going to question how a ship that falls from literal orbit lands on this planet and isn't completely pulverized how i mean a lot of this ship is intact now for gameplay reasons that's probably for the best but i always thought that i'm like this ship landed pretty pretty well from falling all the way from low orbit but i think that's for the best because it's so cool going back through like the biohazard containment area and seeing where like the, the parasite queen where one of them was like, holed up in going through the reactor core where the parasite queen boss was that I think is such a good juxtaposition, because in the first boss battle you're looking up at the 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 Pyroside Queen. You're in a boss fight. It's very intense and fast paced. The second time you go through it, it's slower. You're going downwards from top to bottom. It's you know a lot like eerier and 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 again you have like the the aqua pirates that are there, but otherwise it's a lot slower pace. And while the the frigate Orphean is not super dangerous as a tutorial. The Crash Frigate is very much, like, it's not an immediate threat, I think, really. Like, nothing in there is probably going to take Samus out. That's something where you can really just explore, sink your teeth into it, you know, find those conduits and, and activate it with the wave beam. Oh, um, you know, but I, I love, like, it's so fundamentally changed from when you first walk through it. And then, of course, it's companioned with some of the best music in the entire franchise. Oh, it all yeah. of a sudden shifts the pacing, the feel, the mood, the tone of everything. When you walk into the frigate the first time, it's like it's a mystery episode almost, right? Like you show up there, there obviously something has just gone down. The music is telling you something wild has gone down and you need to investigate and you are investigating literally what's happened. And some of the, you know, best parts of the lore of the ship is that Samus arrives like 6 hours after a lot of the pirates have left. Like that, like the like that stuff just went down, and whatever she's finding left is like whoever was stranded there because they're injured, like the pirates, or like tried to stay behind to retake the ship from the Parasite Queen and all that stuff. Like she just shows up to that that, and it's like a mystery like case you're solving, and then you go back and you're like rummaging through the rem remains. Even there's there's aqua pirates that are there probably doing the same thing, looking through the crashed remains of the ship trying to salvage whatever's left of this ship it, it's such an awesome juxtaposition not just gameplay wise but story wise and, and mood and atmosphere and i feel like we could talk on and on about the the, the juxtaposition and contrast of the two areas but also what they share a lot but that's what sticks with me the most is that it's one of the most powerful parts of any metroid game because it it's not just backtracking for the sake of backtracking it's not just backtracking because all these places are tied together it's they took something that the 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 start of the story the inciting incident 
and rework that into a major area, or not super major, but an important area of you know later in the game, which is great. Uh, the down frigate is Meridia, but fun. <laughs> oh come on, Meridia is fun. He's waiting it, to say that one. Meridia <laughs> is fun. It's not fun if you go there without the gravity suit. I'll give you that. Upper, upper Meridia, maybe, but uh, I, I don't know about the main Meridia area. But but in all in all seriousness, though, um, one thing I really love about this area in terms of like its juxtas in its juxtaposition ac- access points is not just um, you know what how you retread those previous areas, but because the frigate is crashed, you know, there's all these dents and cracks and holes and new passages that you weren't mm-hmm. able to explore in the original and so you know you get to explore these new these new avenues of the ship which tell their own little bits of stories and expand lore even further that you weren't able to explore in the beginning of the game and that i think is what really separates this apart and makes it super cool yeah i i think that like so this the the orpheon in space always kind of reminded me of like a 3D version of the Ceres uh, space colony. Another allusion to Super Metroid. Yeah, it starts out on the space station. (laughs) Yeah, and and I think that's intentional. Um, And and Ridley gets away. I always (laughs) thought, like, wouldn't it be cool if you could explore Ceres, like, on on Zevis? And, like, this game really, like, it gives you that. And, uh, uh, yeah, the way way that they, they repurposed this ship is so awesome. I actually never really thought about, like, how strange it was that this ship didn't like completely atom bomb Talon four when it landed, but, uh, I'm glad it didn't. Um, but yeah, one thing that's always stuck out to me as well, just talking about, um, exploration in, in the ship is that, uh, you can, you like Dex, you totally can take your time. You definitely can, but it's definitely like a, a treacherous path. And one thing about it, that's so treacherous is like how murky the water is in this area. Um, and you can, like, even in Metroid Prime, like, you can be in water in other areas, and it's not quite that hard to see, but in this area, it's, like, you have a real hard time seeing, like, what's in front of you because you're in this dimly lit kind of stuff floating everywhere path where there's, it. at least to me, it, it, I kind of interpret the, the murkiness as, like, there's a lot of, like, dirt, and there's a lot of just, like, stuff in the water that's kind of impeding your vision. So, again, I just, like... I really like how in both instances, like it's it's Metroid using the environment to challenge you rather than like a whole schwack of, of enemies and, and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, just uh, obviously uh, a fantastic tutorial area, um, a fantastic area just in Metroid Prime regular and Metroid Prime proper. And um, you know, I, I don't know that uh, a lot of people talk about the the Orpheon a lot when they're talking about some of the best areas in Metroid Prime. And maybe it's because you're not in there for an incredibly long time. I, I want to say that, like, you're, I mean, your visit to the first time in space is obviously limited and you're only there for the tutorial. But even when you go back, you can you can really kind of do it in one fell swoop. You can go in with your gravity suit, uh, go in, get all the conduits, progress, um, et cetera, et cetera. Go go to the end, and I mean that's pretty much uh, that's pretty much it. But uh, it's it's really, I think it's very impactful the time that you do spend there. Um, so with that being said, unless anyone has any like other things that they want to add to this, we could start talking about some specific rooms and then some specific lore stuff like that. I yeah. think if anything, I think it's a testament to how effective the area is that despite how smaller percentage of the game it takes up it's one yeah. of the most memorable parts despite that 
I, I think I mean, a lot I of that even... has to do with that music, definitely, which we will talk about. But yeah, uh, I think that's I was going to say that the music is a big part of it. I would actually contend and contest that and say a good amount of people do kind of talk about it. Maybe it's just like one of those things where it's a given and they're like, you don't need to talk about it. Maybe. It speaks for itself. But like if you've ever played Metroid Prime, you have to go through the first area. And I think, again, a lot of people do remember because of the music, the second you know version of it. But I think less is more, right? Like how, like when you play Metroid Prime... It's only five main areas, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it, right? You have T- Talon, you have Chozo, you have Fendrana, you have Magmore, you have Phase in Mind. So you're in and out of those areas constantly, right? The Down Frigate, even though it's part of Talon World, you're right. You only go through that once. So that one time you're there, it has to, like you know, Doom said, make an impact, and it does. Mm-hmm. So I think people really do remember it because you just go. It's it's like a small detour you make once, and there's really no detour like that in the game elsewhere, like. You do go, I guess, to, like, the the deep, like, space pirate lab in Fendrana Drifts, but that's part of, like, a longer adventure through that area. And Town Overworld itself is very much a hub area that you don't have major deve- – like, that is the kind of the major development of that area, which I think why, is why it sticks out the most, because aside from traversing the overworld itself and maybe the Artifact Temple, this is the major landmark. So oh, totally, yeah. I, you know, so I do think it, it sticks – with people for those reasons but also how can you forget that music i just think also like the way they've worked it in there and seen this massive looming ship dug into the ground you can't really forget that i I think it's really impressive to like maybe not impressive but like it's really cool like how you can get to that shore and you can see the ship but you can't actually access it for for a long time before you actually get there you don't need the gravity suit but you do need a power up which is i think the ice beam to get there um, you should have the gravity suit though. I mean, oh, I you definitely should have. Don't do not do what I did. I remember trying the gravity suit there the first time and be like, I oh. made a mistake. <laughs> I went, I went in and I like went all the way down and I was jumping around like an idiot without my gravity suit. And it is possible to go there without it, but don't don't ever do it because then you'll start thinking that it's like Meridia. Um, but yeah, so like I do think that it's cool that you can see it for a long time, but like you can't actually get to it, uh, which mm-hmm. which kind of builds that anticipation as well. Uh, all right, let's talk about some of these rooms here. And I think that, you know, we, we did mention it, but I do want to repeat it just again, just to really show the significance. One of the the most breathtaking rooms in Metroid Prime, just in general, uh, which isn't even technically a room. It's called, it's the exterior docking hangar. And this, of course, is where you first land on your ship. You're in space. The Orpheon has not crashed yet. Um, and you, you know, this is where you see Ridley flying away and you follow him to Talon 4. Your, I mean, your ship just looks so impressive in 3D, and the the stars around you, you've got kind of that red-orange hue, like on Doom's screen right now, it looks awesome. Uh, it, it's, it's such a, god, it's such an awesome room. I know we talked about it, I know we kind of gave it its, its kudos as like the first um, big 3D room in Metroid, but I, I just wanted to talk, or just point it out again, just because I think that it's like just so important impressive and uh breathtaking so yeah i i guess i'll go if no one else is gonna go yeah let's, I, um, let's mix absolutely... it up let's mix it yeah, up yeah dude like we're going, say, we've been dude. going we've, we've been going andy me you andy me you like let's let's churn it up a little yeah bit. Jump in. <laughs> I'm, I'm down i'm down to some mix in some new ingredients but yeah um i love this landing pad like i like i said before that whole introductory sequence like it's so perfect. I'm so glad because, you know, I think you guys talked about this on the uh, cut content episode, but there are also some other iterations of um, 
of this title thing that laid out that got laid out on the cutting room floor. There's one that Jennifer Hale, who does Samus's grunts, she did a narrated intro for this game that was cut. There was some stuff for the, the pal. For so. the best. Yeah, yeah. There was there was, was um, stuff, stuff that was included in the pal pal game where there was like this other like very deep voice that like does its own narration and it also narrates the area entrances. I'm uh, glad that was cut in the later PAL entry so that they didn't have to experience that. But yeah, that whole, I just, I love the fact that it's just like this small text intro and then it just lets the game do the talking after that. It just lets the game just make its case right there in front of you. And that yeah. first room is just the, you know, perfection and all that. Yep. Uh, I, totally. I, I love, I love this room. Uh, less is more. It just, it, it shows, it, it shows you exactly what you need. Like, Oh, distress signal. Samus shows up, fanfare, boom, she goes in. Like the, the, you don't need to see any more than that. It's perfect. Like I mentioned earlier, how you see, like I mean, town town four is like massive in the background there. It's huge. Like it's hanging in low orbit. It's right there. It gives you such a feeling of like, wow. Like I can't wait to go and explore that. Like it's it's you know it's it's not a perspective you get from Earth ever, right? So like that in in that way, it's really awesome. I think the coolest thing about this area, too, is for being a sci-fi series, Metroid is very much about being on planets, being inside ships. Very rarely is Samus ever... I, I mean, I think this is, like, what, the only time I can really think of, maybe, like, a couple other times, where she's out in space, in the vacuum, walking around in, you know, out in outer space. I can't think of... I mean, maybe Metroid Prime 3? I can't really think of any other times where she's not on a planet and just walking about but also not inside the ship too right so yeah there's yeah there's some moments in three and hunters um the, yeah, as well but this is thing. definitely the uh definitely the uh, main example of that the closest yeah. thing i could think of is infusion when you're like shine sparking through space when you're going from the restricted zone to the sector one yeah even that that's is still in, in indoors but i love but that's still indoors though you're still within like a tube that's looking out yeah. into space which is still by the way an awesome shot one thing i love about fusion by the way those backgrounds you can see the stars this i think metroid almost needs more of this of areas where you're out in the vacuum and you're exploring out in space i love that about this room room because it, it, it's fleeting and you don't get any more of that after this after this unfortunately but i think that would be great to have an area in a metroid game where that's literally where you're at and it's not even just okay you're out in, in the vacuum but like the meteors are flipping by mm -hmm. and you can shoot them when i found out that you could shoot those bad boys and blast them into pieces i'm like well okay this is cool and i definitely didn't know that the first time i played the game um yeah i i love this room it's a perfect start to it and of course, it's a great mini tutorial in and of itself. You learn the lock on there. You learn how to use, you know, your beam, really. And when you play this on Prime Hack and mouse and keyboard, and you just bam, 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 and just, like, blast through that, it feels so good. It gives you that nice, cool, like, neon aesthetic that works its way into Prime and, like, with these wings and here in the ship and, and even kind of the coloration of talent itself. Uh, yeah, it's a really great say, starter. I will say, so when I played Metroid Prime, uh, I played it on Dolphin, and it looks awesome. It looks awesome. It looks beautiful. Yeah. It looks beautiful. And you and you see it right out of the gate. Yeah. Right from that very room. It looks beautiful. Um, okay. So another room that I want to talk about is uh, the reactor core. And this room is uh, probably like the the central room of, of both the, the crashed frigate and the frigate in space. Of course, this is where you fight the parasite queen in space. So it's a pretty... 
you know, it's a pretty monumental room. And we'll talk about the Parasite Queen battle here in a bit. But uh, really, let's like, let's talk about it now because uh, I feel like let's, let's do, say, you, I want to do talk you separate the, the room and the boss? Okay, okay. Yeah, because like this part, I oh, think, right, right, is, right, right. Uh, is it can be it can be frustrating, but like good frustrating because again, um, it the, the, everything's so murky. It's there's like incredibly incredibly small platforms that you need to jump on and there's like a winding case of them that you need to go up on and i want to say and i'm going to say this about the next room that we'll talk about too but uh i'm assuming that there's a lot of people out there like me and i still did this even to this even to this uh, last playthrough where i get all the way up on those winding platforms those small little ones where your jumps have to be precise you get to the door and you're like oh my god, this thing doesn't have any power. And you turn around, and you put your thermal visor on, and you shoot the conduits, and you go back. And it's just, it's such a... It, it's, I, I just, again, I love the the dual purpose and dual utility of a lot of these rooms. Like, um, the way, again, like, I really like platforming in Metroid. I know that's not some people's, like, favorite part, uh, especially of Metroid Prime. I've, I've seen some people kind of, I don't know, say that, you know the jumping part isn't necessarily their favorite but i really like it so i really appreciate these levels right you do have to be a little bit specific with your jumps you do have to be precise and then uh you you kind of go and explore this giant this i mean ginormous room that is for the most part intact um so i i really think that obviously it sticks out in space but i think that it sticks out underwater and for like completely different reasons and i think that in like in doing that when it is so distinct, even though it's the same room twice, uh, just probably the best room in the Orpheon, I think. Yeah, I definitely echo your sentiments on the platforming there. Like, it's it's definitely a lot different than the 2D games. 2D um, games are more, they more focus on kind of the athleticism of platforming and kind of like the showmanship of that, whereas in Prime, the platforming is more as a means of like verticality, if that makes sense. It, it focuses a lot on that verticality. Until yes. you get to like the screw, until you get to like the screw attack implementation in two and three, but I really like that, and you really see that, especially in that one shaft that um, you're talking about there, with where you're activating all the um, all the electrical conduits with the wave beam and the thermal visor and whatnot. And it also um, it also provides a challenge, a really cool challenge in that it's not just that the platforms are tiny, but there's a visibility cha challenge as well because you're so deep underwater. You know, and you also have yeah. enemies firing at you that you have to deal with as well. And so they're like really subtle barriers, but they're really but they're really good ones too. And um at least in the GameCube titles, I can't remember if the trilogy on the weeds did this or not, but one really cool feature of the GameCube version, it's really subtle, but when Samus jumps, um she'll actually automatically dip her visor down so that you can actually see the platform you're landing on. And it does the game does this automatically. It's really subtle. But it's a it's a really nice quality of life feature that I'm really glad that Retro thought I thought advance of. Yeah, that's a that's a good ad there. Actually, I didn't even I don't remember that <laughs> at all because I definitely remember going through this in the original game and being like, I'm just kind of I'm having some faith in where I'm landing here because I can't see my yep. feet. <laughs> that's what uh, I did. I and I will say I think the tank controls, controls make it harder too. to get those jumps too. I was gonna say the, the controls really are a big part of what makes the platforming in this game harder than it needs to be for better or for worse. I think it's like an added difficulty as a little added challenge, but at the same time kind of limits your freedom for, you know, intentionally otherwise. And you yeah. kind of do feel that a bit in this area. 
Yeah, uh, definitely. I, I find it, it like I think that the way that it controls, obviously, it is a product of the time and whatever. And this is, in a lot of ways, like kind of the first, the first of its kind. In in a lot of ways, in terms of like first person shooter back then. So I, I I'm a little bit forgiving of it, but uh, it was. I think they hard. were just too far along, though. You know, like because yeah. Halo wanted to come out the year before, but by then the game was very. I mean, they're not going to change how the game is kind of built. Yeah. In that time. I think it's also the GameCube controller, because even though technically the C-Stick is an analog controller, it's not really shaped like one, and I don't yeah. think they wanted people having their thumbs on that for long periods of time. So, I don't know if anyone was like thinking about that back in... I mean, the late 90s is probably when this was you know, in development. And in fact, you can check out our history of Retro Studios developing Metroid Prime um, in the archives on OmegaMetroid.com. But yeah, for, for the controls at the time, I think it's fine. It still plays fine, actually, but it was a little bit of a, a rough challenge going back to it, playing tank controls after, you know, playing for so many years with the with the Wiimote or if you're like Dak playing with the mouse and keyboard. But one thing that I do really love that you said, Doom, is like this This does feel like very much like a Super Metroid room. And like, if there's... A, there's vertical rooms like there's a lot of like tall vertical rooms in super metroid and in, in nestroid as well and like this one just really reminds me of like that you know style that is a little bit more tricky to do in the metroid prime games and i think that this is probably the best example of that and actually the entire metroid prime game i think the canyon in Fendrana is a really good one and you know this one is another one that that comes to my mind like immediately so it's it is very cool the way that it's laid out and you can traverse it going up 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 and um, I also want to shout out Alien Resurrection on the PS1 from 2000, which was the first, I think, dual analog FPS game. So that was two years before Metroid Prime. So they had some time. But obviously Alien Resurrection at that point wasn't very popular. Halo kind of popularized that. Anyway, just saying. Maybe I should play Alien Resurrection for, uh, for Alien in Review. That'd be, that'd be fun. There you go. Um, yeah, maybe that's an inspired by Metroid in the making. Hey... Uh, okay, next room I want to talk about is the cargo freight lift room. And this is another room where I will guarantee that both of you did this your first, second, probably third time playing this game. Um, where you, that's the room where you have to traverse the slippery slope. You have to jump on, again, very specific platforms. There's Aqua Reapers everywhere. You have to shoot them, and you have to look behind you, jump on the platform behind you. You get all the way to the top. You're like, yes, I finally made it. And then that goddamn door doesn't have any power again. And you're just like, ah, you have to jump down, and you have to throw your thermal visor on and hit all the switches. Um, again, just kind of like a, a frustrating but good frustrating room because like it does force you to be probably not as specific as the reactor core, but like fairly specific with your jumps and more so uh, fairly specific in making sure that your timing is right. Making sure that when you hit the Reapers that they're, you know, they've gone away and that you do jump there and give yourself enough time to, to get there and then jump to the next platform. So uh, a little, uh, a good bit of platforming business in this room. Yeah, I really like them um, because because this whole area changes up the platforming um, quite a bit. Because the previous area, like we were talking about, was very vertical based. This one is still technically vertical based, but the platforming does it in such a way that it almost feels very horizontally, where you're going where you're going side to side on these platforms back and forth. Um, you know, despite the whole room being at like a forty five degree angle, which I think is a really unique way of traversing the room. They could have easily just stuck with that that same angle, but. Um, yeah, they make it they make it feel a lot more dynamic as a result. 
Um, and then also regarding the electrical conduits, I also really like this because I feel like at this point, this whole area is really like trying to teach you like, hey, every time you step into a new room, turn on that thermal visor. This yes. is a this is a crashed frigate. The doors are probably not going to be working. And some people Get on like that. me and just so. don't learn. They don't. No, learn. that's a good point though because it, it even it's still fulfilling that like tutorial aspect of the game where it's like you're going to need this thermal visor in other situations later. Get used to popping it more often. I think it's easy to walk through the game like okay, I have the regular visor, I have the scan visor because those are your main two visor tools for a majority of the game. So to then introduce the thermal visor and later the x-ray visor, it very much changes what you think about that's available to you. And that really comes with a lot of these games is the more that of your tool, like the more your tool says is increased, the more you have to think about like keeping those extra tools in mind and not just forgetting about them or, you know, kind of brute forcing things. And the game, you know, works us back in like, hey, thermal visor, thermal visor, thermal visor. That's very, you know, if you weren't scared by the pirates earlier, you know, you want to now be using it, so that's a that's a that's a good point though. That it does kind of bring back the tutorial aspect of the game or of that area that it previously did earlier in the game. Uh, yeah, I I totally agree. Um, all right, one I guess you know thematically too, it does make sense as well that you're re-energizing the ship that has completely crashed. So um, yeah, I, I think great points. One other, it's not a it's not a room. But it does feed the the Orpheon does feature as Dak mentioned earlier a nice escape sequence and uh, what is a Metroid game without a good escape sequence? So I thought I'd throw that out there. Nice, easy, um, very reminiscent. It's it's like the Saris Station escape sequence, but better. And uh, I I remember playing it and uh, just I don't know, just kind of smiling because it was like again it just really put a bow on like this is this is like Metroid like this is it really does feel like Metroid and there's there's nothing more Metroid than an escape sequence. So again, just really goes to show how the the tutorial area that is the Orpheon just really, I mean, you couldn't have, have knocked it out of the park any more than that. And I think that the escape sequence is like the, the cherry on top um, of that presentation. Yeah, I think this is the only escape theme I like that isn't um, the original NES escape theme or the Ridley theme that was used for a little bit there in Super Metroid Infusion. But yeah, like this this original piece, I wish it came back more because I love it. It's just, it's so chaotic, you know? It's so much more chaotic than any of the other ones. It feels very asynchronous, you know? There doesn't, you know, like it's clearly metered, but it almost feels like it's constantly going, going out of time, which I feel like is very appropriate to depict, you know, everything that's going on. You know, you're caught in this kind of weird explosion. It doesn't feel planned. It doesn't feel prepared. It just kind of happens. And now you need to get out. And I feel like that's perfectly reflected in the music. Um, I'm actually going to throw something out here. I think this is actually the weakest part of the frigate Orpheon um, entire sequence, which I still think, I mean, I don't think that means that it's bad or anything. It's still a fantastic area overall. And to be the weakest part of that is still, you know, it's still great. I think the the thing is that it's held back by being the tutorial area because the timer is literally like seven minutes. Like, as much as it's like an escape sequence, you'd have to be like really, really trying to not escape. Like, I even think the first time I ever played the game, I had time to spare. And I would have to imagine even the worst of players would still make it out with some decent time. Like, you have to be really, really bad or really trying not to make it. So as much as the escape sequence is cool... Um, 
and even though it is kind of just running through long hallways, which to be fair, the, the whole area is very linear because it's kind of meant to be because it's a tutorial area. But I think it really like is apparent in this escape sequence because it's just running down the hallways to like a six and a half minute timer. Like, bro, I'm never I'm not going to not make it out. So I, I wish this I almost wish this sequence was like not part of a tutorial and like the timer was like half or a quarter of that length because then then there would be some really, you know, great urgency. A lot of this uh, this sequence is very much like a, a telling not showing thing where it's like, oh, the music's really crazy. Oh, you got to get out. But there's actually no real urgency there because you have to be super bad or super intentionally messing this up to never make it out so that's the only thing that holds it back for me every time i replay the game i'm like oh like okay i'm gonna like take my time through this escape sequence that in actuality is more of like a meander sequence than anything else but that's just me yeah i, 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 I think those are all fair saying. criticisms um yeah I, I think those are all fair criticisms for sure i guess it doesn't really impact me too much because i feel like I feel like the vast majority of the Metroid escape sequences Bingo. are actually like fairly easy. There's a couple yeah. of them that I think are still hard, like yeah, NES Metroid. I, I think fair. I think Zero Mission might be a little challenging for people, especially if you haven't played it in a while. Um, but they don't uh, feel Echoes, less Echoes might be hard, but that's less because of the escape sequence, more because of the Dark Samus fight itself, right. kind of running down the clock. I, um, I, I think I agree with you, Doom. I, I think like pretty much every escape sequence is not not like super challenging, but. I like I, I agree with what you're saying. It's very it's an easy sequence, but I think that it was like more so like the meaning and the messaging behind having it there to to again just kind of show like like don't worry, this is Metroid. Like this is the Metroid that you're familiar with, That's it's the fair. Metroid that you love. So I, I don't think that they were intending it to be challenging as much as they were intending it to be like I don't, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but, like, thematic and piece. show you... Kind of, but just, like, reassure... I, it, this is probably only for, like, not new players necessarily, but, like, players that are maybe familiar with Metroid or whatever. Like, don't worry. Like, this is a this is a Metroid game that you're going to love. Uh, at least that's that's kind of how I always interpreted it. But uh, I, I, I actually... I think that what you said is fair. It's certainly yeah. not challenging. No, I, mean, I guess it's more so just, like... The presentation of the urgency. I don't know. Maybe just in the other 2D metrics or other runs, I feel like, oh, maybe I'm not going to... I don't know. Then again, like, I guess that I think about more. There really isn't ever an escape sequence. I'm like, oh, maybe I'm not going to make it. But I think maybe Metroid needs that. It needs an escape sequence where, like, there's a solid chance you don't make it. I think that's what... I'd be, uh, I'd be totally to down for that. We were talking about um, Ori in the Blind Forest earlier, and every single one of those escape sequences, I died multiple times, and all three of those... Even the one I didn't like are better than every Metroid Escape sequence. I'll just put that out there right now. Yeah, yeah. Th those are a little bit. Too Anyways, let's maybe we should do an episode ranking escape sequences. There we go. Not saying that I don't like Metroid Escape sequences, but I, I don't even think it has to be with the challenge. Just reduce the time. Like it could be the same amount of challenge. Just give me less time to do it, and I'll feel like oh, I might make not make it. You know, I never feel like I'm not gonna not make it. So that's it. Either way, otherwise, great. I like the sequence itself. Let's talk about some of this lore on this ship. And there's an interesting log that I want to read. I'm actually just going to read you guys this log, if I if I may. Um, which, I, God, I love... I just love Metroid Prime and its logs and Chozo lore and Pirate Data. It's so awesome. But uh, in, in, here we go. Zebes has fallen. All ground personnel are presumed dead, either killed by the hunter, clad in metal, or in the subsequent destruction of the underground facilities. Our research frigates Orpheon... Uh, Syracius and Volparagom 
were in orbit at zero hour and managed to retreat. So there's two other frigates out there, or there were anyways. Um, Orpheon is now docked at the Vortex outpost. Orpheon's cargo appears to have a 100% survival rate. Metroids are healthy, but on restricted feeding schedules due to uncertain supply status. We are ready to begin research on the Metroids and other promising life forms. Security status remains a code blue. No signs of pursuit of the hunter. So I absolutely love this for so many reasons. First of all, it really shows you, like, first of all, it shows you, like, that there's more to these space pirates and just, like, mindless people that shoot at you. And, and like, it shows that there's, like, an organization and thinking and plotting and, and structure. Um, and it really, again, it shows you, like, what a threat they view Samus as. And understandably so. She's blown up their headquarters twice now. Um, but it does offer, like, a ton of other cool, like, like tidbits, like, Hey, there's more than one, uh, there's more than one of these research facilities. And I don't know if they ever say in the game what happens to the other two. And I don't think they do. So, I mean, it's not, it's not outrageous to think that perhaps there's Metroids on there that we don't know about. Uh, so I think that that's really cool. Um, I think, I just think that it's cool. Like in general, that there's a rhyme and reason of how the Metroids got from Zebus to, to Talon four. Um, and also, they say that this is where, like, they basically rebuilt Ridley from scratch and, and made Meta Ridley. So I think that that is also, like, super, super cool. So a lot of, like, a lot of, like, interesting bits that you can take away from reading some of the logs in this, uh, in the frigate Orpheon while it's in space. Um, I, I love, I love that kind of stuff. It makes the world feel, like, logical and lived in. And I, I truly love that they give, like, the space pirates some structure. Um, it's just, like... For such a for such a small bit of of you know story and and lore, I guess it it does it goes so long, it goes so far for me in making this feel like a big realistic sci fi adventure. Well, you mentioned that they Samus has blown up their their headquarters twice. It only happened once by now. But oh, um, you're right. Yes, I'm sorry. Only I'm sorry. only Metro has happened. But but I do I like that they have that awareness. Like hey, like. Let's keep an eye out for this, uh, this, this, whoever this is in metal, like, you know, to, to destroy our stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it's funny how, like, hey, how did they get that Ridley body onto Frigate Orpheon? Maybe we need a game to explain that in between. I'm obviously being sarcastic. It doesn't need to be explained. Um, <clears throat> yes, I understand agree. I think one of my favorite things about Metroid Prime lore is how they go into, like, the space pirate, like, science team and research teams and all that and all the work that they're doing. It still kind of has this like tongue in cheekness about it because like they just constantly try to mess with things that are way out of their control and they're always like almost outmatched. But they still they the tenacity of the space pirates is so great because they don't care. They keep trying they keep throwing bodies at problems and they keep trying to harness the stuff that shouldn't be harnessed. And they, they keep going for it and they will write down their notes of everything that's happening as it's happening. Like, hmm, that was awful. It's. Test it again, you know, like I, I love that about it. It's there's a little like a comical aspect to it, but it is it does show that they're not just brainless aliens running around and shooting stuff. They are actually trying to some degree to figure out what's going on here and and you know, control these powers in the galaxy. I always love that about, you know, seeing these scans. And even obviously this frigate is thematically showing that because they're spending a lot of time researching, you know, Phazen on Talon, they're researching mutations, and they're working on these parasite queens. It's like the main crux of why they're there. So it's very much showing that they're they have some brains behind the brawn. 
Yeah, I remember we were talking about this back when you were streaming Prime, Andy, but, you know, I was talking about how most of my favorite Metroid upgrades are typically the movement-based upgrades, like the speed booster, um, the uh, the flash shift recently in Dread, the screw attack, stuff that, like, takes your movement and turns it into right. a puzzle-solving ability or attack. But one of my favorite items that doesn't fit that category is the scan visor, which I think is one of the most brilliant items ever created in the series because not only is it a gameplay tool, but it's also an important narrative uh, narrative device throughout the whole trilogy and even and even in uh, hunters as well and it's just it's such a brilliant way to take an aspect of the gameplay and turn that into how you take in the story and that and you know these pirate logs are like one of the best examples of that i mean the pirate logs are some of them are terrifying some of them are absolutely hilarious these guys are absolutely insane you know like they'll like one of their buddies will just volunteer for an experiment and then they'll be like hey you know what we're gonna inject you with Phazon. You're probably gonna go crazy. You're probably gonna kill your friends, your colleagues when you go crazy. Is that cool with you? And then that guy just does his loudest yeah boy ever. And then they just go through with it. And they just record that in the log and then you get to scan that. Hey, They're I mean, about evidence-based science. Yeah, yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah. Kill someone and not record it, just have that go to waste. No, that's, it's not exactly. a space pirate's role. Uh, a couple other little tidbits here. Um, like, like Dak mentioned earlier, actually. Uh, so there's a distress signal uh, the one that Samus picks up, and this has been going off for six hours already. So, um, you know, it's. In, I think that's so cool. That's so cool, and uh, most She's of the team has, has left already, and it's actually kind of inferred that the science team that we see setting up the lab in Fendrana was the team that was on the Orpheon and just you know hightailed it out of there before things got really bad. And of course, what causes that distress signal is the Parasite Queens, of which there were four in total so you've got the one that you fight obviously you see two dead in the ship and one in hibernation so that is yes. also very cool i love that because you get a little bit of you know cause and effect there you see it in hibernation the first time and then when you're on your way out during the escape sequence i believe this is in biotech research area one is the name of the room where you walk through there's a bunch of like um organisms in different cells in the on the second floor and some of them are like you know references to like super metroid enemies which is really cool yeah um like some of the hoppers and whatnot which is dope but this area you come back and you're running through you know trying to get out of the ship and you see two space pirates firing away hap haplessly at this par <laughs> parasite queen which is attacking them and then, boom huge explosion and you jump over across the remnants like such a cool sequence i love this whole area because it, you know, it's a nice open area that you walk through the first time and you're getting a cool glimpse into the different things they're working on. And then you see the result of that. You, you F around and you find out on the second way back. And the pirates certainly found out. Um, and, and speaking of the Parasite Queens, like, you do get a little bit of lore by scanning them. Like, it, you know, you learn, like, the mutations. Like, the mutations they're given, the Parasite Queens, like, fluid sacs grow so they can shoot this corrosive bile they have you know a more robust shell so they can take shots easier or whatever they got these like crazy pincers and and galvanized legs so they can attack and spear stuff like they go all the lures you know the scans detail a lot of these different things that the parasites uh get affected by through their mutations which is really cool shout out to the localization team who had to go through all the techs in that game like that must have been an absolute nightmare but y'all pulled through but, like, I think a lot of that stuff is fun, though. Like, at least when I was working on my RPG Maker game, 
Um, which, by the way, my man Larry at Data Recovery New Jersey has fixed my hard drive. I'm going to plug him on this oh, episode. Oh, hell yeah. I haven't, I haven't gotten the drive back. So to be fair, I the, the he said the files should be good. It looks like they've been recovered. I'll give you all the 100% once I've re- recovered my drive. But he has fixed it out at an affordable cost. And on that game, one of my favorite things about like making the game were writing the little bits of dialogue some random NPC has, or a little like scan or like text box that you get from reading a sign, and you can just kind of like have that little flavor text. That stuff is really fun. So as much as like maybe going through that might be a bit of a chore, I'm sure they took a little bit of creative, you know, leniency there, and they're like, all right, this is probably what they're talking about. We're just gonna come up with something original and writing those little bits of like world building tidbits to chew on were actually a lot of fun so i i would imagine they actually probably enjoyed a lot of that there you go um okay well let's talk about some of these enemies and uh we'll talk wait about wait the wait oh, oh okay I'll, go ahead one more thing yes my favorite thing about the lore because the drowned frigate or the crashed or sunken frigate doesn't have too much lore specifically on it um but it shares this with the main area or like the first iteration of the frigate and they both have this though more so in the first area um when you scan the injured or half-dying or dead space pirates and the game tells you what their specific injuries are, I've always loved that. If you go around and scan, like, this guy who's, like, half-dead firing at you or the dead bodies, it's, like, broken spine, both legs broken, massive head trauma. <laughs> like, they go into the specific injuries that these pirates have, and I've, that always sticks out with me because I always like to make sure I check on what they've got. Like, I, I love going up to the one dude who's, like, laying, like, bam, bam, like, blasting at you. I'm like, oh, scan you real quick. Oh, inter- hemorrhaging. Like, oh, damn, you're that's rough, buddy. Bam, blast him, put on his misery. Like, oh, I'm just, like, checking out all their different individual injuries that they didn't have to do. They could have just said, yeah, dying space pirate, he's going to die or not. He'll probably die if you don't shoot him. But they go into their specific injuries or causes of death eat for each individual I love that. That's that's what, awesome. What was that one show? The, the best one. Like, help me out here. The, the I think best? It was Sherlock, where like he was analyzing, and he's like, "If I hit this person here, it'll crack his tibia or like whatever." Oh, isn't that the one with like Robert Downey Jr.? Is right? that what isn't it is? Yeah, I thought it was I the one with so. Benedict Cumberbatch. Anyway, whatever. It's like one of the. That just reminds me of that, where like all these guys are like completely mangled, and like <laughs> it's like the parasites queen was scanning there. I could just see Samus doing that too. Yeah, that's a fantastic touch. Actually, I love how those enemies are like like clearly like mostly dead but they're still trying to fire at you just uh hoping that their measly little blaster can defeat samus good stuff yep yeah one my uh my favorite part of those is because it's not just those guys as well but it's even it's even the dead bodies too and there's some that are specifically positioned to like match up with their descriptions like there's this one that will always stick out to me it's in it's in kind of that first not the first room in the frigate but it's like in that big open room where you see like the fires and you see the first dead queen and all that. And mm-hmm. one of its legs is like just shish kebabbing this one pirate's back. And you can, when you scan it, it actually says like this pirate's si- um, spinal cord has been completely severed. And it's like right there. And awesome. it's like, bro, this is a Nintendo game. What? <laughs> this ain't your daddy's Metroid. I'll tell you that. Um, all right. Let's talk about well actually but there's not really any enemies that we haven't discussed we've talked about the space pirates we've talked about the aqua reapers so let's just jump right to this boss the parasite queen and um you know i think so obviously this is the boss of a tutorial and it's an easy inoffensive boss that i i think that it's again kind of like we were talking about with the escape sequence it's not so much that you're gonna die it's not so much that it wants to like seriously challenge you 
But I think that what it's really there for is to teach you all about locking on, about strafing, using missiles, um, and just kind of like how boss battles in general in, in 3D are going to work. So while it's not challenging, it is cool. Um, the, the gimmick of like the, the rotating walls around it is cool and obviously was put to use in Smash, which was, uh, which was awesome. The queen herself looks really cool. Um, the music is, I, the music is actually, we could talk about that in a bit, but, um, the actual fight, nice, easy, uh, but does get a good, it does a good job of teaching you a lot of like the core mechanics. So again, kind of fulfilling its, its goal as a, the perfect tutorial area. Yeah, it's not really too hard at all. I mean, you you know you do your lock ons, your strafe dashing, you know you 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 blast it with 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 shots like pretty straightforward. I think mm -hmm. it's more so like the full effect of the fight. Like the music is awesome. It's a great boss theme. It's it has awesome sound effects since it's roaring at you and shooting its you know corrosive bile at you. And of course, for any of my Destiny gamers out there, the shield is very much like the Vex Hydra shield, the circular spinning shield that those have. Which so anytime I fight one of those in Destiny, I'm like Parasite Queen. Um, yeah, it's a very easy but fun tutorial boss that I thought as a kid was very epic because you're dashing around yeah. and it's a it's massive, which Metroid Prime does so well, having these big bosses you have to look up at and that take up so much of the room or just take up a lot of space in general. So that I really appreciate. And uh, it's overall a really solid presentation and a cool boss. I, I think it was the first time, too, because, like, the Parasite Queen throws, like, acid or whatever at you that it hits you and kind of, like, sizzles on your helmet. And, like, yeah, that was the like, first time like, that effect was used, too. It was, it was really cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's actually a really cool thing this boss does, and I don't think there's any other bosses in the game that does this, which is a shame because I really like it, but... Um, so if you start firing at the Parasite Queen, or when you start locking onto it, you'll fire it at its abdomen. But after you scan it, there will be a little note that says, hey extra damage to its head um and then once you scan it every time you lock on you'll start locking onto its head it's again it's a super subtle thing it's so cool and i don't think any of the other bosses in the game do that which is a real shame that's that's so cool i didn't i didn't know that yeah, yeah, look it up if you don't believe me it's really oh, cool. i believe you that's that's so cool that what a what a great touch oh man that is that's uh, so cool i i also Actually, no, go ahead, go ahead. I, I realize I already talked about this. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I mean, I don't really have anything else for the Parasite Queen. Uh, you, you know, it's it's fairly straightforward. I do think that it would have been cool if you could have fought the other Parasite Queen that was in hibernation on Talon 4 at some point. Maybe, like, mm. I guess it would have made sense Meta to fight queen. it. Yeah. Um, it probably would have made sense to fight it in, in the Crashed Frigate, but even, even like, if it got into Magmore or, like, something, it, it would have been cool to fight that, but... Uh, Oh, well. Are we going to talk about the other boss that's on the frigate? Oh, okay. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I feel like we have to because there's yeah. a pretty significant other char character that shows up on the ship. This is the first time you see Met Meta Okay, Ridley, yeah. You're right. You know, which is, by the way, I believe Biotech Research Area Number 2. I think that's also where you get the first grapple tutorial. You get that sick cutscene, which is obviously the showing the area where the space pirates were rebuilding meta ridley and samus looks up and ridley is right there boom ridley right in your face eyes glowing looks so sick and obviously that leads to meta ridley escaping the ship and flying out and i believe you can even catch a scan of him if you're quick enough right in that little moment there before he flies off um 
I mean, this is the first time you see Meta Ridley, which is you, so you awesome. can't you can't scan him directly, but after you grapple, there's two panels on each side of the grapple points that you can scan that talk about like yes. the surgical yes. procedures he went through. Yes. yes, you're right. That's what it is. I know. I know there was something you can scan that's Ridley related there. Um, obviously, it's awesome to see them there. His Meta Ridley form is so cool, and it leads right into the lore of they're literally building him on this ship. I think the thing that I wanted to talk about the most here, which I thought about recently, is you know, obviously Samus loses a bunch of her abilities as a result of, like, an electrical explosion. She right. gets blasted into an elevator, loses a bunch of her abilities. I think it would have been more interesting if Meta Ridley himself was the cause of Samus losing her abilities here. Instead of having just kind of, like, a random explosion, like, which, to be fair, like, eh, like... Is it the most compelling story beat? Not really. I think it was fine. It's something that like it's not something you're gonna think about very often. Like especially now in the context of a context of a Metro game, you're like, oh, that's what happens in a Metro game. And even the first time I played it, it made sense. Like the ship is exploding, Samus gets hit by this charge. I didn't really think about my, you know think about it much. I was ten years old, whatever. But thinking about it more over the years, I think it would have been a like it would have been more effective as a storytelling device. To have Ridley, like, directly attack Samus. Maybe he, like, slashes her really hard and then she flies into the elevator and loses her stuff. Or whatever he does, like, shorts out her system or something. Mm-hmm. It would have, like, it would have been a cool little way to add more to his appearance there. And I think it would have made the fight with him at the end of the game more meaningful. Because now Samus is showing up against him with all of her stuff and then stuff and be like, what are you going to do now? Like, now I'm ready to go. And, you know, it, the, it, the the dynamic has changed here. So I, I always thought that that was maybe a missed opportunity, or I've thought about that over the years. I think that would have been a really cool way to maybe add more, make his appearance there a bit more effective rather than just being like, hey, I'm here, and then Samus chases him. Yeah, I, I agree, actually, completely. I think that that sounds, like, awesome. Yeah, I don't just, that, yeah, I have uh, nothing to add there. I love it. Yeah, I like that, that idea. Um, I, I think, obviously, the big <laughs> takeaway for most people is that, God, that shot of him flying. He's so, oh. so sick. He's so it, massive. He looks his design is so cool. It's like the one I think that's the best enemy design in Metroid is Metroidly. Like he just looks so badass. And then you get to see him fly out of the ship and soar off towards the planet later. He looks so cool and I love how they added awesome. him in right there. Cuz it makes so much sense in the story like Samus takes care of this distress signal. She recognizes Ridley. She's like, "Oh, I know that guy, and then follows her right down to the planet. She could have not done that. She, there was almost no—I mean, not no reason, because obviously the space pirate ship is—you know—the frigates hanging outside this planet. There's a good chance yeah. they're related, but she could have gone to the ship, dealt with it, and then reported back to the Federation and been like, "All right, we'll we'll have a you know debrief and go to the planet some other time." But the fact that she sees Ridley on the ship and then heads to the planet and is like, "That's a main reason." the reason I need to head out and follow him down there and go to the planet itself it makes a lot of sense. It's a good, solid storytelling device. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I think she was, yeah, definitely she was going to that planet one way or the other, but I think seeing Ridley definitely adds urgent. urgency, which I think, like, yeah. uh, I mean, really, I know I know we're talking about only the Orpheon, but, like, even when you see Ridley and Fendrana, is such, like, a, mm. oh, man, that's such an awesome Massive shot. Massive shadow he casts. Yeah. It's so sick. It's so, like, it's less like those is more. ships are coming in in Independence Day. It looks awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so, um, let's talk, I guess let's, uh, unless you guys have anything else that you want to talk about with bosses, let's talk about the music, which I feel like Doom is chomping at the bit to... That's for last about. here. You know what? Yeah, okay, let's say for last. We can, uh, 
No, I thought that was the last thing we were going to talk about. Well, I was going to... We Well, Is items and expansions else? are after music, but to be fair, let's just do it now because there really aren't any items yeah. and expansions That's in right. this area. There is a... Uh, there is an energy tank in the cargo freight lift, and um, I will say this, that if you are like me and you go to this area before you have the gravity suit... At least you can pick up an energy tank as a somewhat of a consolation prize for your malfeasance. Uh, so there is that at least. But um, I, I just want to know how that. I just want to know how that energy tank got there because that definitely was not on the ship when we went down that elevator before then. Brother. There's a lot of stuff that you can suspend your disbelief for. How is it that you get to the down frigate and the save station is still working and it's intact? How? Shouldn't be possible. Brother, I'm tell those pirate scientists. They, out of can, 10, do, don't buy this they game. can do wonders. Um, I think that's literally the only real expansion in this entire area. Obviously, there's no expansions in the tutorial area, but in the Crash Frigate, there's really not a lot. Um, so I think that this will probably be the only area that we ever do in Mapping Metroid, in the entire history of Mapping Metroid, where you actually lose more power ups than you gain. So. Orpheon can uh, can have that as a badge of honor. All right, let's talk about that music though. Let's do it. This is what we're gonna end on. Let's do it. Cause man, this music is awesome. So there are uh, there's three tracks here, and I want to start with we're gonna start with uh, good, better, best. That's how we're gonna do this. And so I feel like the good track is the regular Orpheon theme that you hear in space. Um, Doom, you kind of talked about it a little bit earlier. I think that this theme is fine. It's not a standout track, but I don't think that they wanted it to be. Oh, I well, I, I, I don't think it is. I and I don't like at least it wasn't to me. But I don't think that they they wanted it to be like a wow kind of track. I felt like they were kind of saving that for when you actually touch down on Talon and you get That's off right. and then you hear the Talon Overworld theme because like I I feel like like I, I the track the track is good. Don't get me wrong. I just I feel like they were kind of saving that big like musical moment for when you got on Talon. Um, so yeah, I mean, not really much else to say about it, or I don't have much else to say about this track anyways. So, so just to, just to clarify, are you talking about like the airlock theme or like the main frigate Orpheon theme? Like, like the main frigate Orpheon theme. So gotcha. in space, the, not, yeah, not crashed Orpheon. That not, one. Not crashed Orpheon. Yeah. Um, I, I love that theme. Absolutely. Obviously, you know, it's, you know, it's not down frigate. Obviously it's not talent overworld, but I mean, it's not mm. trying to be those themes. Those are very different themes that are trying to achieve very different things. Yeah. But like for what the area is, like, I think it perfectly encapsulates that area. Again, like when you land on the frigate, it's all about, you know, it's all about detective work. It's about mystery. It's also a little bit scary because it's like something just took out this entire research station and like the survivors are like, are they, are, can we even call them survivors at this point? It's like, it's uh, really bad. And I feel like the music perfectly encapsulates that. Yeah. Um, I really, I especially really love the use of like these very 80s synthesizers too. It really harkens back to the, to that original alien film in this track. Good call. Good call. I, I love the main theme for the frigate. It like, it adds so much to that mystery. You have these like really like deep, loud, like percussion in the background and then, like, these really long, drawn-out kind of synths. Mm -hmm. Those are, like, the only words I know in regards to, like, musical instruments or whatever. But you know what I'm talking about. Like, it adds that, like, that, like, creepy... Like, you're, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're, like... It, it's leading you on to, like, investigate more. 
it like you know something it's like you're investigating like a crime scene like a murder scene right and, and literally and it really draws into a lot of that but my favorite thing not my favorite thing but the 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 initial like ambience theme like i think the airlock theme you're talking about doom mm. if you you listen you can hear like faded like muffled shots of like someone firing a blaster in the background which i've always thought was like the space pirates literally fighting off the the pirate queen or something else in another room or elsewhere or firing off in the vacuum at some point and you can kind of hear that as you're getting into the ship like i love that like it's an active site it might be like a crime scene in a way but it's an active site the pirates are taking on what they've unleashed in the ship and you can hear that because it's such a very minimal like track there's not a lot going on on it but those little like blasts you hear muffled by like space almost and like the the walls in between the ship like that's such a really nice touch um, absolutely yeah. i absolutely love that airlock theme to death like like obviously it's not something i'm gonna listen in the car but in the context of the game i think it perfectly perfectly encapsulates to me what metroid music is all about mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh yeah so actually I, I left out a few there's more than three so we obviously have the uh escape sequence that we've talked about a little bit but i want to i want to talk about what i might think i would suspect that this is probably the most famous track from the orpheon and that is the the parasite queen um boss battle theme which i think is pretty good um but I, I don't know that I necessarily like it more than any of the other tracks that play here. But I think that, obviously, since this is in Smash, a lot of people are exposed to it. And it, it actually, it really fits Smash very well. It sounds like the exact kind of high-energy, high-tempo track that that series is really known for. So, uh, really, I mean, it's a good theme, good kind of get-your-blood-moving theme. But uh, kind of, yeah, I don't know. I, I, would, I would think it's probably the most recognizable or famous of, of all the tracks listed. Um that we'll talk about i think smash helps that too because i believe it appears totally in smash as well and it's a great battle theme and it's like it's like piercing and very intense i need to learn I, the, the one thing i want to do for this podcast is learn more music terminology so i can better express myself you're gonna you're gonna put doom about, out of a job <laughs> what are you talking about i just i'm like it's like i'm like i'm trying so hard to say why i like this song, yeah can I you can't. express yourself with your full capabilities I'm trying. I'm really trying. I'm trying to find the right words, and I feel like I feel like my vocabulary is pretty verbose. Like it's 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 decent, right? For someone who's mastered not mastered, but has been take you know using the English language for almost thirty years. So I think I have a pretty solid grasp, but yet there are gaps and holes in my in my language and vocabulary. And I think it revolves very much around music. Every time we do one of these mapping Metroids, I try so much not not to just say. I love that. That's cool. That's hype. It's so sick, but I can't help myself because that's the only way I know how to express myself. I'm trying, folks. I really am. I have to find new ways to say how much. So I'm learning instruments, and I want to learn new ways to express why I like tracks. And maybe, Doom, we need to have like a, a, a class or a... I, I don't think you give yourself enough credit. I think I think you, you've done a really fine job this episode of I being agree. able to like... Yeah. You know, being able to describe music outside of, oh yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I like this. Like, like you, like you, like went a little bit more in depth and stuff like that. I think, I think you should give yourself some more credit. More on I'm that so note, I improve. feel like music is about how it makes you feel. Like, you can you can describe all the the technicalities and stuff like that, and and you know we do um, try and do that. But also, I think like 
you you have to relay the feeling that the music uh, makes you feel. Of course, I agree. I want I want to say what it makes me feel and why, and the why is what I'm trying to get to. But of yeah, course. I, I feel like this is a really good segue into the track that we all yes. want to talk about. Are uh, we? Do we I, have any other tracks we need to talk about here? I was gonna say. I mean, there are two more tracks we should talk about. Okay. But there's one quickly... in particular. Well, there's one in particular that we should talk about because it makes me feel a certain type of way. Well, let's talk about the other. What other track do you want to talk about before we get to that? Uh, well, one? I mean, the the Down Frigate has two themes from my understanding. It has another ambience theme, like a lot of these areas do. They have a main theme and then like an ambience. Theme. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that's true. That, I didn't include that one. Um, the frigate does the down frigate does have that. Um, it's again this one. I don't think is as memorable to me, but it, you know when I hear it, I know it. Um, but unlike the, I guess the differences between like the airlock theme and the main theme for the main frigate area, both this and the these two themes for the down frigate are slower paced, very much like working towards like you're moving through this area very slowly. Um, I don't think it leans too much into like the mysterious, like murder, like crime scene kind of feel as the main frigate theme, only because we've already been here before. So I think that you would need to do that. I can't think of like too much what I have to say about it, but I do like it. I think it, it adds a lot to the area and it's just not as memorable, which is fine. Cause obviously anything they would do would be overshadowed by the next track that plays anyway. Yeah. That, that's pretty much what I think is like the next track is completely it's, it's like the fendrana track that overshadows the like ambient fendrana track but um okay so i, yeah, I that intro that intro is the appetizer and then down frigate is the main course yes exactly yeah the perfect way to put it um so i'm going to describe this next track and i don't know i don't i can't describe music at all i'm the worst of us here so i'll, I'll just go first and then you gentlemen can can go after but this down frigate theme is so incredible because it like slows everything down to the point where it almost feels still and it's the soft slow piano which feels like so appropriate with all like this water that is around you and the slow movement and like the the sound of you moving in the water paired with it is so uh, just i don't know serene uh the way that you you do kind of have that like high like the high velocity like the like that little part that comes in after yeah that is called an arpeggio okay an arpeggio i like the arpeggio it it kind of like it it makes me feel like when you're underwater and you're still but like a bubble will like pump come up and it's like little bits of oxygen like that kind of is the feel that i always got it just it fits this area so beautifully and it's like it's just again it's such an incredible reminder it it reminds me of a lot of super metroid tracks actually where like they slow you down and like they want to encourage you to look around and like take in the atmosphere and like you kind of forget that you're listening to a musical track almost because like you're you're listening to music but it's like so like connected to the to what's around you that it, it feels like just one harmonious thing so this is this is like an exceptional track in this game Dak, I know it's one of your favorites, so I will uh, stop talking and turn it over to you. No, I honestly, I want Doom to go because I want Doom to okay. say everything about why this track is good, why it's so amazing. I want to hear it from him first. What I know did we just call that thing? Arpeggios. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Arpeggios. I was actually, I was actually going to bring those up, so I was uh, pretty uh, glad you uh, did that first. So I think it's a good segue. But um, 
Zach, I know you've played Gears of War before. Andy, I'm not sure if you have any mm, familiarity just, with that just series. Just the first. Just the first. That that's okay. That's okay. That's actually great. So that's the good one. Yeah, I, I think I think they're all pretty good, but Gears of War first one's definitely one of my favorites. Yeah. Um. Anyways, so Cliff Blazinski, who's the well, one of the creators of the Gears series, um, you know, he has this quote, um, specifically when talking about the first game, but I think it uh, translates throughout the series as well. And he and he talks about Gears um, in kind of the destroyed cities, uh, kind of as destroyed beauty. And that's kind of like a big theme throughout the whole series is like, because you go through all these, you know, these ancient kind of, you know, uh, European modeled ar architect architectures, but they're all bombed out. Most of them by human civilizations, let alone the, the locust aliens in that game. Going back into Metroid, though, that's what I feel like that this track really encapsulates with um with the down frigate. Not that the frigate was beautiful to begin with, but it's almost you know, back in our Talon 4 episode, we were talking about kind of the beauty of Talon Overworld and how it's mm. this one area where, you know, you know, nature hasn't been claimed by, you know, all this technology or the phase on corruption. And you kind of have this inverse going on here where you're in where you're inside this technological death trap, but you're slowly seeing nature slowly just starting to take over. And you're seeing this beauty mm start to sprout from this once, you know, deadly containment. And, you know, it's so beautifully orchestrated throughout the, throughout the track. And then, you know, again, that takes us back to those arpeggios, which, you know, I really wanted to talk about because it's so cool that the way that they're done, they're not in your face. They're like in the background, they're heavily reverberated. And um, so you have your, you have your main uh, piano notes that are in the front and then you just off the distance, you hear this and it's, oh my gosh, it's just, it's so cool. This whole track is just amazing. That was poetry, brother. That was awesome. Yeah, better than I could ever really put it, to be honest. Like, I don't, uh, that all made sense to me. I knew all of those words, but I wouldn't have been able to piece them together as, as well as Doomwood. That's why we I love having them to talk about the music stuff. But yeah, I, the hearing like the chimes, like the harp, like nature of, of what, which Arpeggio apparently there's like a meaning behind that. It has something to do with like how a harp is played. I don't know. I just I just googled it real quick. I think it's Italian for to play on a harp. Boom. So that's kind of why it sounds like that because you're playing like the individual notes. Like a um, I mean, I think the piano is really obviously with sticks because that's like the main mm. crux of the track. And when Metroid Metroid very 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 rarely dips into piano. I can only think of two instances off the top of my head. It's this theme, and then it's the piano medley from Other M. Both two beautiful tracks. I think this track is much better because it, it goes beyond just being a piano theme, and, and, and it's actually like really an important part of the game. I think this is just not only one of the best tracks in Metroid, but one of the best tracks in gaming, period. It's... It's the like you said, Andy. Like the stillness and the serenity of it. It's wondrous. It like it's really an awe-inspiring and like a a capturing, like breathtaking kind of thing. Where the game has been so much about and like you know perceived threat and the danger of the unknown. And then you finally kind of go into a place where you know it is uh, the unknown. You know it is dangerous, but for everything, like it's almost like time has stopped. Right? Like the frigate has literally stopped in time. It crashed. It's not going to change anymore. Everything on there is dead, aside from like you know the animals that have kind of started to reclaim it and the aqua pirates that are kind of scavenging around. It's it, it has that stillness of death in it that you know it it really is like it permeates throughout a lot of the game, but it's very like distinct here. 
And again, one thing I love about the frigate is that a lot of what Metroid, you know, a lot of what Samus goes through, especially in Prime, like you're going through the Chozo ruins. The Chozo haven't been there in who knows how long. Um, a lot of, you know, structures that Samus goes through in, in like Super Metroid or other games, like the Chozo haven't been there for a while. The Space Pirates have are either on the planet or have just recently evacuated the ship or the ship just went down. Like you're just going, like you're like the, aside from the Aqua Pirates, the first person to really go through this wreckage. So you're you're immediately find like and exploring this again and uncovering things for the first time. That like added with this like really slow paced, like take your time, sink your teeth into a kind of track is exactly how you explore the area. It's and of course it's a water area, so I feel like having this like wonder like like filled kind of track like we're we're like all of a sudden it it shifts your perspective because you are underwater and that completely changes how you traverse things mood wise works really well i mean this is one of the best tracks period when like almost i feel like you don't even have to play metroid prime to know this track it's one of the best metroid metal remixes as well like it's like an absolutely incredible incredible because it it it's a track that goes beyond its source material, right? And it's something mm, that, it. you know, it's 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 something that lives beyond just the game that it's in, which I think a lot of great games have music and background OSTs and tracks like this. And it's like a very obviously a distinct theme. But like you said, uh, Andy, it it's so, it's both ingrained in the area and the game so much, but lives so much on its own too. It works on both planes so well. Mm-hmm. I can't say enough about the Down Frigate main theme. It's incredible. You all know it. I'm sure you're all going to go and listen to it. Like I probably will right after this. I was listening to it earlier. Guilty. It's, I, well, can, we could probably do an all episode on, on this, this track because there's so much to it and for me, I love I love the piano is is perfect. I think that there's if I ever get around to playing that keyboard on the other side of that door behind me, the first track I need to learn aside from maybe something from Halo or Destiny is like the Down Frigate theme. Mm-hmm. It's that those arpeggios are not going to be easy to play. Just FYI. <laughs> no, they won't. But maybe I'll just do the the bare minimum. I don't know. There's something about it like like it like motivates me to want to learn it cuz that's like a beautiful piece to learn that if you're able to pull off on your own feels like such an achievement because in and of itself the track is such an achievement. Yeah, I I think uh beautifully put. Um yeah, something about the piano that uh it, it's in such a contrast like all the synths that we kind of associate with or I associate with like the Metroid Prime trilogy soundtrack that just makes it really really stand out and like really be uh just a you know a beautiful piece of music you heard it at the beginning of this episode and uh you know again i'm sure that we're all gonna go listen to it after so um yeah i mean i can't think of a better way to end our mapping metroid episode on the frigate orpheon and the down frigate than talking about one of the best tracks in the game probably one of the best tracks in the series and uh yeah, just uh, just another deep dive into another great area in Metroid. Um, again, a, an area full of utility, a tutorial that also functions as a kind of. I don't know that Metroid has really done this, where you can come back to the same area and it's reversed, and you can explore it in a completely different environmental way. So um, you know, I think that more of uh, that. I want more of that. Yeah, I think that'd be cool, and I, I think that uh, I'm glad that we were able to give this. Uh, this area, the Orpheon, it's uh, it's day in the sun because I 
I see people talk about the the frigate or, or the down frigate a lot. I don't see a lot of people talk about the intro a lot. So, um, again, I think that we've gotten literally everything we can out of this area. And, uh, you know, I'm really glad that we did. I agree. I want to post some more, some appreciation tweets on the Twitter for the, the Frigate Orphean, both versions, because there are so many amazing things, even just great screenshots. Overall, I'm really glad we were able to talk about this. There's so much good stuff to dig into. And I, I think really there needs to be more lessons learned from this whole area, both versions of it. It's in terms of its usage as a tutorial, in terms of being able to go back to it in a completely different way, the music, the the enemies, like the, the storytelling behind it. It's honestly one of the strongest points of Metroid Prime, but very underrated and like you said, not mm -hmm. talked about enough. And really is quintessential Metroid. There's a lot we can say about I mean, even Town Overworld is very much like that, which is no surprise this is an extension and an extent to that. This is this is a quintessential Metroid and quintessential Metroid Prime. I would I would love it if like Metroid Prime 4 almost just redoes something very similar and like kind of just gives us another frigate Orphean experience. I would love to see another area in a future Metroid game that you go back to and revisit in a similar way like this and give me another awesome piano track. Like this is this is the essence of Metroid right here and almost I think it's uh, it took us too long to finally get to talking about this area in depth. So I'm glad we finally were able to do that. There it is. All right. Well, that is going to do it for uh, this episode of Mapping Metroid. Of course, this series will return, and I think that maybe we should take some requests for what area you want to see yes. us do next, because I'm pretty open. Um, thank you guys for checking us out and uh, you know supporting the podcast, the longest rating weekly episodic Metroid podcast ever. Maybe not, but probably. Uh, but we want you guys to check us out over on Twitter, uh, at Omega Metroid Pod. And check us uh, three fellas out over on Twitter as well. At Spateri316, at DaxCity underscore, and at Duminal Cross. And of course, check us out wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe, review, share, recommend. That would be incredible. Uh, we appreciate it all. OmegaMetro.com has all your guides and news. And there's more bonus shows, if you can believe it. There's a Metroid ROM hack review series that we got over in our Patreon account. So head over there if you want even more metroid stuff and uh yeah that is gonna do it for us we are going to get out of here uh greetings to everyone from the past i hope that there was a nintendo direct announced and that this is yes. completely non-topical and uh you know i i hope uh, everyone has a great week until next time everyone take care